Good morning, church. Um, We have two readings from 1 Corinthians 15 uh, this morning. So 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 to 8, and then verses 50 to 58. So if you'd like to turn with me, let's read together. It's 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 1. Now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached to you, which you received, on which you have taken your stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over 500 brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. Turning now to verse 50. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I am telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we will be changed. For this corruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, death, is your victory? Where, death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. May the Lord bless his word to us today. Well, good morning. My name is Mike. I'm lead pastor here at Tungabi Anglican. If you're new amongst us today, it is great to have you with us. And what a day of celebration we have. I'm looking forward to heading out afterwards and enjoying the many things with you. Um, And well done, kids, for being a part of this morning. We love having uh, children here in the life of Tungabi Anglican Church. Now, last year, at the beginning of the long lockdown, and I hate to sort of bring our memories back to that moment, uh, I asked a friend in Melbourne, uh, what, what kind of the key to success in surviving lockdown was. My friend in Melbourne, of course, had, had experienced many more lockdowns that, than I had, the most lockdown city in the world I even heard at one point. So I said, what's the key to success? You know what he said? He said, your key to success is to give up on hope. I was like, what? <laughs> that awkward moment where you sort of think it's a joke, but secretly just died a little bit inside. And, and, and I died a little bit inside, of course, because we're hope-fueled creatures. We need to know that better days ahead when it's bad. We need to know we're moving forward. We need to have some direction. And so that kind of just leveled me a bit. Now, I experienced it in some ways, as I'm sure we all did, on what it meant to feel helpless, lost, 
the votes are in, we didn't like it. There was a hard season for many of us and some of us experienced in much difficult ways than others. Are you looking for hope again? The last two years are sort of coming to some sort of current resolution. I've even heard some people talk about post-COVID and then find themselves in isolation. That was me. Um, but, it, you know, in some ways, time, uh, science and medicine and, and, and the easing of restrictions, all that means kind of things are some things are kind of, you know, are, are lifting, but that kind of better days are ahead. But before we jump back into same-same, I wonder if we might learn something from the last two years, whether we might be able to find something more substantial to be able to stand on, whether we might find hope again in a profoundly new way. I was driving around the car with the kids the other day, uh, rock climbing, donuts, just the usual things, and we passed a whole bunch of churches in the area. Uh, I've got to drive 20 minutes to go rock climbing, that's cool. But anyway, there's a whole bunch of churches I passed, and, and they all had banners out the front. And you know what they all said? Hope. Now, a Christian's kind of just boring and kind of, you know, not creative. If you'd think that, keep that to yourself, please. But uh, no, I think for the last 2,000 years, Christians have been holding out the same message, and especially at Easter, that in the resurrection of Jesus, we have hope. And so we join with those churches and the 2,000 years worth of Christians to say hope is in Jesus. At the center of Christianity is Jesus and Jesus brings hope and new life. But it came in the most surprising way. I love that Rach was able to read for us that story of the young women who encountered the empty tomb. It was a profound kind of moment for them, of course. Uh, that, that passage begins with, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. You don't go to a tomb to find hope, do you? You go to a tomb to grieve. And mixed in with their grief was the sheer disappointment and the disorientation because they thought Jesus was the one. They, with the disciples, thought that Jesus was the Messiah, God's chosen one, who was going to restore God's people and bring hope to the world. But their hopes were cut short as he died on the cross. But instead of finding a dead body, they experienced an earthquake and an angel saying, He is not here. He's risen. And as they run off, bewildered by the prospect of the resurrection, they encountered Jesus himself. And, and without any kind of, you know, scripting, they're on their knees worshipping him. Here is Jesus, who they expected to find the tomb, and, and there he is alive. So many times in my life, in moments of despair, when I have felt disoriented and lost, Jesus has been there. Christian hope comes in surprising and profound ways. If Jesus has defeated death, if he's been raised to new life and seated with God to rule until we see him face to face, there is nowhere he cannot reach. There is no situation so hopeless or helpless that he can't reach into it. There is nothing beyond the power and the victory of Jesus. The power of sin and death has been undone. And we have the privilege of living a life without fear of sin and death because we've been forgiven, because death is not the end. There is new life in Him. Do you want to know the power of forgiveness, the power of new life in Jesus? He is inviting us to find that, 
more and more. And it begins with a simple step of faith. And it's followed by another step of faith and another step of faith as we keep trusting in Jesus. Uh, I've put up a slack line in my backyard. Uh, Kids, you might have to help the adults know what a slack line is. Who wants to help me out? What's a slack line? Anyone? Yes. It's funny, it's a tight rep that's not tight. Yeah, what is It's slack, but it's not slack. Yeah, of course, it's so kind of on trend. But uh, it, that's right, it's kind, of this, this kind of tape, this ribbon that runs across kind of, you know, two trees or whatever, and you pull it real tight and you walk on it. And, 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 and as we put that up in our backyard, and you're holding onto the tree and you take that first step of faith. What, what, what have you got to make sure of before you take that first step, before you let go of that tree? What, you get crowd interaction again. What have we got to, got to make sure of? Yes? That it's tight. Yes, that actually you've got confidence that the tree's not going to snap on you. Or, or if you've bolted it into the brick wall, it's not going to rip out. Or whatever the case, I haven't done that. But whatever the case may be, we need confidence that that's going to be able to hold us. If I'm going to stand up here and call you to find the power of, of, of the hope of the risen Lord Jesus, we need to have confidence to be able to take that step of faith to say, yes, despite whatever the circumstances are around us in this world of sort of shifting sands and kind of sadness, we need to have confidence that Jesus really is the real deal. The resurrection was a real historical event. Isn't it crazy to think that the Christian answer to the biggest problem we have is a man worshipped as God because he rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. I mean, if you've been believing this for a while, just stop and go, Whew, that's actually a pretty big claim. If, you, if you're not really sure about Christianity, you might kind of be like, yeah, what is this guy talking about? Well, it's always been an incredible statement. That at the centre of Christian faith is the resurrection. Paul himself, he wrote, who wrote 1 Corinthians for us, the one that Anna just read for us, he, he unashamedly stands in this. He says, if Christ has not been raised, our faith is worthless and you're still in your sins. You'd think he might sort of just put the resurrection away a little bit, kind of like, you know, that's for the kind of the master class of Christianity. But no, he puts it right up front. If the resurrection didn't happen, this is all for nothing. I remember chatting to a guy a few years ago. He'd come out from mainland China to study. And uh, as I was talking to him, he'd not heard the gospel before. And so there, me, you're kind of a super Korean Christian. Let me tell you the gospel. I'm so excited. I get halfway through and he says, is this the one where the guy comes back from the dead? I was like, yeah. And he just walked off. It is, a, it is a big claim. Were people back then more gullible? That must be it, surely. No. They needed convincing too. And you'll see throughout the Scriptures a labouring that this is real, trustworthy, that you need to have confidence in this. There's a few pieces that have been read out for us. I just want to show you very briefly. When, when Paul says in 1 Corinthians that Jesus, uh, he summarises the Gospel and he says, Jesus was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures... So there's a whole bunch of prophecies through here that point to that the Messiah would die and rise again, and Jesus himself quotes those. Do you know how hard it would be to fulfill that? Like if I wanted to come on earth and be kind of the Messiah guy and sort of get a book deal, like the Bible, a big big book, uh, and kind of have a bunch of followers, you know how hard it would be for me to, to die, but then to rise again according to the Scriptures? Uh, but also, Paul continues, and he talks about how when Jesus had rised, you see, he writes this, he appeared to Peter, then to the 12, then he appeared to 500 brothers at one time, most of them are still alive. Now, the people reading this letter, 
There was, there was 500 people, most of them still alive, that you could go cross-interrogate, that you could, you could bring it sort of some kind of, you know, you could ask them, did this really happen? And, and Paul kind of stands in front of a king at one point and just says, this did not happen in a corner. It, it was on display, it was public. Christianity should have been a false start if this was false. But instead, this incredible claim that Jesus rose from the dead, put on display for all to see and to interrogate, for Jesus himself to say to Thomas, look at the holes in my hand that you might believe. Blessed are those who believe in me without seeing. It's incredible stuff. But there's one more thing that I absolutely love. And it's actually, it's from the bit that Rach read to us, from, from Matthew, where the women see Jesus. And, and do you know what? Back in that day, a, Jesus, a, a woman's testimony was not even held up in court. I'm glad things have changed. But, but how crazy is it that the gospel writers put that in? Like, if you were going to try and make something really credible, you would maybe skip that bit, minimise it, and kind of talk about how the, the men saw it. Where were the men even, right? But no, they put in the fact that, 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 that the women saw Jesus. And, and why would they do that? Because that's what happened. It's, it's just, it's all out there for you to interrogate, to see. But when the women see Jesus, they don't just, they're not just kind of like, oh, amazing. They're in fear and trembling, in fragility. They worship Jesus and that is a beautiful step of faith. When you take that first walk on the slack line, it's really wobbly, in our fragility, in our fear, may we take a step of faith to know the power of the resurrection because Jesus isn't a slack line, right? He's, he's not an inanimate object. He's not a philosophy He's like me walking alongside my son, having a go on the slack line where I'm holding his hand. In this step of faith, what I'm asking us to take daily, Jesus is there walking with us because he is not dead. He has risen. And since that day, millions have found confidence in the resurrection of Jesus as real and have taken that step of faith. The life, death and resurrection of Jesus has changed the course of history and that's an incredible thing. But let me just finish with this. This is more than history. This is not a history lesson, but it's not less than. What we have in the resurrection is life changing. It is time to hope again in profound ways. What if there was more to life than what we see and feel we want to be able to say more than it is what it is. Like, how many times did you say that last couple of years? It is what it is. And it's still in our lips, right? We want to be able to say more than that. What if our longings for hope, for better things ahead, was, was actually in our nature to long for eternity because God made us for Him and for eternity? What if the best parts of life were just a foretaste of the good things to come and, and, and the tears of the worst things would be wiped away? What if death was no longer to be feared, but had lost its sting? What would your life look like if the resurrection was true? That's a question for all of us, whether we're long-time believers or whether we're exploring faith. What would your life look like if the resurrection was true? What if we're able to zoom out from just living in the moment and kind of just riding that wave and our feelings would go and our emotions up and down on this kind of roller coaster. What if the resurrection was true? What would our look, life look like? Well, I'll tell you what. 
The resurrection is God's stamp on this world, that this is the world He loves and we are the people He loves and we're worth Christ to Him, His death for us and His resurrection. And the resurrection is the stamp to say, I am at work in this world, even in the worst of it. It is time to hope again. And the resurrection is the confidence we need and the power we need for now and for all eternity. Let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for, for this day, this day of many joys, not just for family, for Easter eggs, for festivals, but more than all of that and more than all of the things that have weighed us down over these last two years for the risen Lord Jesus. Fill us now with his power that we might be able to have joy and peace in all things until we see him face to face. Amen.